0: Hello there! Welcome to Seaweed Brain, Titan's Curse, part two, chapters nine through 14. We've got a whole lot to talk about. This is still our favorite book, part two of our favorite book ever. We couldn't be more excited (laughs) and we have an incredible guest, so stick around.
1: All right. So our guest for the day is so <laughs> exciting. Literally, I am shaking, quaking in my um recording closet right now. Because it's Alex Yam.
2: Hi, oh, Alex. This is this is such a big Thank deal. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller. Ooh.
1: Ooh. Um so Alex, can you can you tell us like What's your backstory with the books? When did you discover them? What's your emotional relationship to them?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I guess just a bit about me first. My name is Alex, and um, I'm currently studying psychology, and I do research on couples, so relationship research. And oh, we um, love that. Oh, so relevant. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I first got into mythology really as a very young child, I think similarly to a lot of your guests that you've had on previously um i've just loved mythology since i was a kid like my mom would read me greek myths and like chinese myths and like japanese like folklores and stuff like that so i don't know how i pronounced Chiron as a child i think i just didn't know how to pronounce jack shit so <laughs> it was just- a
0: i know what the next question is <laughs> yeah i i've been listening for so long <laughs>
2: Um,
1: I think one yeah. of our other guests, I can't remember who, also said the same thing. Where they're like, "I didn't. Even, it didn't even occur to me that I should have a pronunciation for this. I just like <laughs> recognized that clump yeah. of letters together and um, took it from there." Yeah, <laughs> Alex, do you do you want to do you want to have the golly parent conversation? Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I haven't thought about this in years. Like, um, I listened to your first episode and you guys kind of like talked about it briefly with Julia. Yeah, as like any sort of kid, that was kind of. Snobby and considered herself to be smart. I was like, I'm a child of Athena. But then in like high school, I met Julia, and I was like, Yeah, I'm not a child of Athena. (laughs) She's a child of Athena. Like I am nothing near her level. Mm. Um. So right now, I'm kind of I feel a bit unclaimed. I kind of Mm. (laughs) identify with Hades, and I know he's compared to Hitler, um, but just more so as like a he's tired. He's overworked. He's yes. (laughs) knee-deep and bureaucratic nonsense and he's just mm-hmm. doing his own shit while the Olympians are swinging their dicks around. King of burnout. And I kind of yeah. to that. Yeah.
1: We can forget the king of genocide part. He's king of burnout and we'll remember that for him. <laughs> and that whole kind of goth aesthetic. Yeah, do I do
0: want to...
2: I, we Want to sure shout do. out the
0: pair of studded boots that Alex once had—studs everywhere, spikes. not one stud, not four studs, yeah. spiked all around. And because Alex, like, I specifically wanted Alex to come on and talk about Titans Curse, just because mm-hmm. I'm always, whenever I read about Talia, I, I kid you not, you are the face that pops into my head. Seriously. Yes, you give me Talia energy. Expert not Hades, on Talia, obviously, but
1: on like Bianca is always implicitly what I've also. It all yeah,
0: really, because I just like Bianca, so this
2: is going to be interesting.
1: <laughs> Good. We love we love disagreement. Yeah. We love
2: Maybe it's diversity. just self-hate. Maybe it's just self-hate. Hmm. And that's not on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do, do
1: you have any more um, spicy takes you want to catch us up on from like the um, episodes that we've already done and the like you know ground in the novels we've already covered?
2: Yeah, I don't get why you guys are so into Luke. I just don't. I don't get it. I'm sorry.
1: Again, we love diversity of opinion here. That's that's so yeah. fascinating. Like, don't like Luke as in, like, would not be friends with him or don't like Luke as in he's a boring character. I
2: don't like Luke as in, like, I think that they could have done more with him because all the characters have such this deep, like, emotional connection to him. But as a reader, you don't really get that because you don't see any of that stuff that he's had with Anabas or Talia or Grover. He's just there very much as, like, that generic counselor kind of guy in the first book. And then he just has Mm -hmm. not like, a star wars catapults into yeah, super like villainy. An anakin just kind of like a flip of the switch kind of thing so i don't really know and also just yeah, yeah. he's just so he seems like a guy that i would try to fix and i don't like
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh See? Licks, okay you no. do like him and you're acting like you're no, you're better than <laughs> us but you are just as, as though we weren't all out here talking really about how would fix luke I just think (laughs) I could fix him. (laughs) No. Okay, but here's the thing. So do Talia and Annabeth. So it's okay. It happens to the best of us. That is what
1: these books are about. These books are about Annabeth being like, I can't fix him. And realizing that over the course of like five years. And us being like, wow, I've learned from that journey, I think.
0: I would like to think that we've learned from that journey. (laughs) But you know, you know, being realistic. The
1: Avatar Zuko discourse that has popped back up has really reminded me that no one has learned from that journey. Um, yeah, yeah. I completely
0: agree. <laughs> I, I, Zuko fixes himself. Let's be clear. Ira fixes yeah. him.
1: Anyhow, I appreciate. I'm glad we that. got that out there, though. It's good for us to air that out. I think that brings us to the bulk of the podcast. I think we're ready to dive into to the material, to to the content. Oh
0: yeah, it's the middle. It's the middle of the book. You know what that means. This episode <laughs> is gonna run way over time.
1: All right. Yes. Well,
0: we so we last left Percy and Blackjack. We stand Blackjack departing from Camp Half Blood very illegally to. Be special and go follow the hunters on their quest, which we would be irritated by, but it's to save Annabeth. So we're going to let it slide. He's racing on Jack Black. Jack Black. (laughs) (laughs) He's racing. I can never hear that now. They're different. Catch them casting Jack Black as Blackjack in the Disney Plus series. Just screaming imagine? Does Jack Black still like work? (laughs) I think so. He has, he's Kung Fu Panda. That's all
1: I know. My God. How dare you? Reminding us of Kung Fu Panda. That was so rude.
0: <laughs> um anyway, uh Percy and Blackjack are racing through the skies, trying to keep uh an, their eye on the van that Zoe is driving. Um, and just as they're about to like cross through the Lincoln Tunnel, I think, Mr. D shows up, hovering in midair, attacking Percy and Blackjack with vines. His hair is like whipping in the wind, and it's very freaky. This is the first time we see Dionysus like using his powers and not just being an a-hole to the campers. Um and it's real it's it's a lot. Like he's the god of madness and he's kind of scary and he's like, "You really think that you were going to escape without me noticing?" And Percy is like, "Um kind of yes." Um and Mr. D kind of pops off immediately right here and gives us a little speech. In a way that, like, <laughs> counteracts the speech that we talked about a couple episodes ago with Kyron, where Chiron talks about how special heroes are yeah. and how we need heroes. Mr. D gives us the opposite side of that narrative. And we can just, we'll read a little, we'll read a little segment from that.
1: My point is you heroes never change. You accuse us gods of being vain. You should look at yourselves. <laughs> you take what you want, use whoever you have to. And then you betray everyone around you. So you'll excuse me if I have no love for heroes. They're a selfish, ungrateful lot. Ask Ariadne or Medea. For that matter, ask Zoe Nightshade.
0: Ooh. What yeah. does Mr. D know about Zoe? Who is Zoe? Yeah, We're going to we, find out.
1: That, that, lives us, that leaves us with some, like, titillating foreshadowing about Zoe's backstory. But also, like, this comes at the end of sort of a longer conversation with Mr. D in which he, like... First of all, like finally gives us exposition on like Dionysus's mythology uh, mm. in in which is like kind of very like different from the other gods. Like he used to be a hero, mm-hmm. is not anymore. His wife was like supposed to marry a hero and then didn't. For different reasons, depending on which version of the mythology that you read.
0: Depending on which version you read.
1: Yes.
2: So <laughs> also, he does a really great Tahani-style name drop.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's rope in the good place. That's something we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, we really haven't. We probably
1: Yeah, we'll, we we'll come back in. to that. Um but yeah, the, the different versions of the mythology, just so we're all on the same page. Like, Dionysus marries Ariadne, who is supposed to mm-hmm. marry Theseus after like helping him solve the labyrinth. But that ends up not happening. He leaves her behind on an island and then Dionysus okay. marries her. The different versions of the mythology, one version is that Theseus is just a little a-hole D-bag who falls in love with her sister and is over it, abandons her. The other version is that Dionysus like, appears to him and is like, I would like I'm to gonna marry do her. I'm going to steal your girl. <laughs> I will force you to do this. Like, Yeah. This is this is like a, as we said earlier, though. this is like an important reckoning for us, though, in terms of our conceptualization of like what a hero is. How do we need to problematize what it means to be a hero and people who self-identify this way? Especially as Percy's, like, leaving for an illegal quest for the second yeah. time in a row. Like, we need to question for ourselves, like, what is a narrative that he's telling himself? Like, what what responsibilities and privileges does he think that he has? And is he right about those? mm mm-hmm. yeah. Book
0: two was, like, heroes are everything. Heroes are going to save the world. Like, hope, incredible, amazing we must have hope that we can change the world. And Titan's Curse is like, six months later, you all suck. Good luck. You're 14 now. (laughs) Feel your angst. Watch yourself. It's winter. And I definitely think
2: introducing those names, at least, and putting them there, and I guess letting younger readers kind of Google them and kind of think about what those women represent. And I guess showing readers the dark side of these demigods, and especially those values that might give them so much strength in battle, but after the fight Mm -hmm. is over, the destruction that they cost to people,
0: specifically to women. Yeah. Many, many, many of our Greek heroes that we idolize also suck, and we're very misogynistic, um, following the orders of the misogynistic gods, including, uh, you know, our good pal Hercules, who Percy has mentioned as his favorite hero, just because he kind of knows him the best. And there's going to be several, we'll point out all the more uh, Hercules parallels that come on through the rest of this book that are forcing us to question, or maybe subtly allowing us to question just how much we actually do want to appreciate Hercules.
1: There is also, like, we should mention, like, in the people that are mentioned by Dionysus, like, as we brought up, like, those are important big names and also, like, all, like, importantly, like, the names of women because there is, like, a very gendered component that we have to highlight here, of course, in the context of, like, just being people who care about gender, but also Mm -hmm. specifically in the context of, like, this, the most lesbian and the most, like, female of the Percy Jackson books for us to remember that, like, a critique of, like, heroism and, like, exceptionalism is... And should be gendered.
2: Oh, it's my favorite book. Oh, it's my favorite book of all time. I think it's the time to bring <laughs> up this value of time, which I took a classical mythology course in college, so I feel like I can talk hey. about it. <laughs> uh, they <thank laughs> you know. God. So it's kind of just coming in with actual. Oh, no, barely anything. It's this idea of honor, but in a more Greek sense, it's more than just honor. It's something that can be projected onto material goods or items, or for that um, matter, people, and usually women. And there have been a lot of times when a woman is symbolic of a man's victory. Either he wins her in battle or they fight over her. And Mm -hmm. yeah, because that's
0: his property. He can do that because it's his honor. I'm hoping to do a future episode, special episode on this book that I just read, came out this year. It's called... Antigone Rising by Helen Morales and each chapter has a new facet in which the uh, myths have like been carried Mm -hmm. into our current culture um and whether like how they've been harmfully perpetuated and how we can sort of flip them on their head and use Mm -hmm. them for good um and one of the chapters is just called Killing Amazons and it is literally about the fact that like killing an Amazon killing a You know, people that were very similar to the hunters, just like maidens, except they weren't maidens. Mm -hmm. They actually had sex, which is probably why we hated them more so than the hunters. They had sex with whoever they wanted, whenever they wanted. But killing one of them was like seen as getting your hero badge. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just a long history of the gods transfiguring and murdering women who were too powerful. Heroes murdering women who were too powerful. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Shout out to Medea. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hercules, Let's not forget. Hercules will
1: come back because like that's that, that's one of the things I like I like, forgot the most about these books is like specifically the way that Hercules is such an important character. in this one in particular and then they circle back on him like in the like Heroes of Olympus as like not like an aspirational figure but someone who we yes. have to like complicate and hate and like. Yeah. Not Thanks Rick. As a, yes. Thanks
0: Rick for that. Maybe we do
1: have to do Heroes of Olympus. The Amazons also show up in Heroes of Olympus.
0: No, we are. I've assumed at this point that we're doing it next (laughs) next summer. (laughs) We'll see. Um, Yeah, so I I like to imagine that the speech from Dionysus, Dionysus is how I used to pronounce it, so I feel like I keep flipping back and forth. But I feel like the speech from Dionysus um, in my head is like the motivation that Percy gets for not being this way. Um, I'd like to imagine that it sticks with him and he Mm -hmm. continues to say, I'm going to be a nice guy. Yeah. Not a problematic guy, but like a nice guy. Dionysus is like, mark my words, live or die. You will be no better than the other heroes. And Percy is like, no, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be nice. I promise. I'm going to try. Dionysus lets, ends up letting Percy go, which is weird. Percy's like, it's because he wants me to die. And he thinks that I'm actually going to die in this quest. So that's not great. But maybe it's because he's like secretly a softy. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe mm. he's not as much of a criminal as we think he is <laughs> at this point. And Percy uses Annabeth's invisibility hat to continue to spy on Talia and so. Yeah.
1: They make their way down to Washington, D.C. Percy, as he's spying on them, realizes that some other shit's going on. Dr. Thorne's there. The manticore from the Ugh. evil prep school. And Absolutely not. Frenchmen. So Frenchmen are evil. We're, we're terrified of that. So he this opportunity to, like, follow Dr. Thorne off into a secret room in the Smithsonian. Because we've got to throw in those references to, like you know, America. sites in the Americas.
0: Yes, being. I love Sea of Monsters, but I'm glad we're back traveling the continental United States. It's very fun. Yes.
1: So he follows Dr. Thorne, and who does Dr. Thorne lead us to but Luke? And You guessed it. These icons of, <laughs> of leading the evil Titan army.
0: <laughs> yeah, but this time it's not just Luke. It is Luke operating underneath the mm-hmm. general who we met in one of Percy's nightmares already um and again shouting out the fact that luke looks like total shit like every time we've seen luke um recently he's just looked worse and worse so Mm -hmm. he's not doing very great evil is not working for him is one way we could read that but the general is clearly in charge not luke the general knows slash like doesn't like zoe why is that we don't know but he is also like Thorn, you're fired. Luke is the only reason that we've gotten this far in our evil plan. Mm-hmm. And Thorn is all pissed and may be going a little renegade after this. But yeah, this is the first time that we're seeing the general in real life. Um, mm-hmm. And we obviously don't know who he is yet, but... but...
1: powerful, but we're terrified. Like, we've met some gods and, like, we're getting maybe similar levels of energy in terms of the power being exuded and the way that, you know, Luke as a demigod is, like, reverent and or afraid of the general. But the general wasn't mapping onto the identities of any of the Olympians we know. So, And also, like, leading a Titan army. So, probably a Titan. (laughs) Oops, spoiler. We don't know which
0: one. that. he's he's a Titan. (laughs) First Titan we're seeing IRL. Um, So, that's scary. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I wrote down, there's a dozen saber-toothed tiger kittens roaming DC in the Percy Jackson universe. And that's just so sweet.
1: Yeah. The the general tries to use, like, (laughs) tries to get some mortals to acquire for him like dragon teeth the first time they fuck up that's how they get the um the tiny cats but um Aww. the second time they they get it right um we we get this fun little piece of discourse between <laughs> um the general and the people around him about like the place of mortals like maybe in titans mm-hmm. ideas of ideal world order and empire.
0: Yes, because there are a bunch of humans in the titan army right now.
1: Yes. The, the general basically his take is like they're fun, they're like violent, they're exploitable. Like it's definitely like a version in which mortals are prominent but also like as expendable less yeah. than others. Yeah.
0: He, he says they are weak-minded, easily bought and violent. I love them. I think that this is a, this is kind of funny because Definitely, when we were reading these books as kids, we were like, yeah, stupid mortals, because I'm not a mortal, I'm a half-blood.
1: <laughs> Shout and out I think to it really, internalizing elitism. <laughs> um,
0: I was about to say.
1: <laughs> which is why this book is important. We're going we're gonna to complicate that. We're going to say our heroes is better.
0: Oh, also the di- the fact that uh, dinosaurs were actually dragons. I really, <laughs> I would love to drop that in here. I believe it. I have no evidence for thinking that it is not the truth. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, so it turns out that the dinosaur fossils in the Smithsonian are dragons. They can get the dragon teeth, which as we know from like mythology, I believe specifically the mythology of like Cadmus and Europa, like um, we get th- this notion that like you can create like armies of undefeatable monsters by like planting the dragon teeth and like watering them with blood, which they
2: do and which mm-hmm. they create. It's also how Spartans came to be because they just had to be different.
0: They had to be special. Shout out to that, yeah. um, I do actually, one more thing I need to shout out in this scene. Yes. Um, So the the evil zombies arise out of the dirt, and the general is about to give them uh, Artemis' scarf so that they can hunt down the hunters and Mm -hmm. kill all of them. And Percy, with the invisibility cap on, like sweeps in and is like, not now. Trying, like, kind of stupid, tries to Mm -hmm. take on this entire army by himself. But (laughs) while he's still invisible, Luke goes, it's Percy Jackson. It has to be. And then for the first time, I was like, okay, Luke Ercy.
1: What's, what's going on shit.
0: there? Yeah. Per. Is this a tone that I completely missed in these books? And so I Googled Luke and Percy and <laughs> like the top three hit, uh, the top three suggestion was Luke and Percy kiss, Luke and Percy fanfiction, Luke and Percy kiss fanfiction.
1: Shout out to the fandom. They, I really
0: want to tap into that energy most. a little bit more going forward. I think that we've been overlooking this dynamic. Yeah that's all
1: writers knew what was up i like (laughs) this is probably not like in in terms of like non-canon ships that are important to us that maybe cross those lines i should probably mention that um erica's contact in my phone to this day is still drapple because (laughs) uh,
0: (laughs) one of the most important (laughs) last episode (laughs) out of me for my uh gmail (laughs) account today Honestly, I'm a proud Drapple stan. Draco and his apple.
1: Draco and his apple from yeah. the Half-Blood Prince movies, for those of you watching at home.
0: It's a film-based uh, OTP, but, you know, it's one that came out of the cultural consciousness of Harry Potter, which was written by no one. So I'm I'm proud to be part of that community. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the Drapple stans out there. Love Anyhow, you.
1: <laughs> Percy does a bad job. Now the skeletons have his scent. And they're gonna follow yeah, him to stupid. the end of the earth. Um
0: As he's like <laughs> viciously escaping, rapidly escaping the evil Titan army, he literally physically runs into Talia um and the actual legit quest team. He recounts everything, and then we get a huge battle because the general sent this monster after the hunters already.
1: Yeah, the Nimi line is there for those of you who remember your mythology from from home. Mimi line was taken on by who? Taken all by Hercules. Oh, recurring, it seems. Um Specifically, Her- Hercules killed him by just like being so strong that he strangled him to death. Because of course, the Nemean lines fur is impenetrable to weapons. So, how is this going to work for hunters who use bows and arrows, and Percy who uses the
0: sword? Ah, it's going to work with some quirky, fun, humorous, clever uh, taking down. Quirky, fun, humorous, clever <laughs> Annabeth style alternate planning that Percy is having to do without Annabeth around. He's like, you know what sucks? Space food that they sell at museums.
1: I also like, I was so confused by this the first time I read it, because I feel like um, astronaut ice cream is amazing. I don't know what he's talking about. But um, maybe I'm quirky. Maybe I have takes that are not like the other girls.
0: <laughs> how, I was going to say how many times I need like a button to press that shows Carter's not like the other girls.
2: I am like the other girls, Listeners, so. if you want to show your support for this podcast, please send Carter some astronaut ice
0: cream. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can get Thank sponsored. Yeah, by astronaut Sponsor ice cream. Sponsor us, Air and
1: Space Museum,
0: yes. <laughs> um, I mean, like also. yeah, shout out to the time that Carter and I were in D.C. together and none of us wanted to go to the Air and Space Museum except Carter. I have
1: vivid memories of this. I like, okay, because when I was there, like, this was obviously host percy Jackson. So yeah. all I was taking into the Air and Space Museum was like, they jumped on this iconic spacecraft that also, yes. like, maybe land on the moon. I don't know about that. But, you know, this was a trip for them on the way down to the second floor as they were pursuing the Nemean lion.
0: Yeah. So, uh, anyway, anyhow,
1: they succeed. Percy's dating plan works.
0: Yeah, his plan <laughs> works. Um, Zoe shoots the monster in the mouth as he's choking. And Zoe is like, not nah. the, the pelt, which turns rightfully into a fur thine. coat, is rightfully yours. Thine. Yes, my <laughs> rightfully <laughs> thine. Quote her right. Another example of Timei yes or an example of zoe being not like a cold ruthless warrior
1: and zoe like not being a hero also like zoe being like yeah exactly i'm not about this
0: zoe clearly does not care yeah (laughs) (laughs) about his stupid honor and (laughs) zoe is also like it's yours it is rightfully thine also you are the fifth member of this quest let's get moving
2: yeah so now we have a proper five men band and with that probably time for a break
0: quick break let's listen to carter's ad
1: so, we're, we're diving back in. Um, the, it turns out that, like, they're being pursued as they are heading out from DC by lots of different people, the, the skeleton army that we remember, but also mortal mercenaries, because, um, mercenaries, humans will fight, uh, will fight for anything if they get paid, which, we're meant to read as like a sick burn against like mortals and being like, wow, materialism, people have no morals, but which of course we now read as a terrifying indictment of capitalism and the fact that you cannot survive in this country unless you have like multiple well-paying jobs. Oh, God. Anyway, um, we're, we move on to this to, mm-hmm. um, like they're like running away, sort of getting lost, but then they get rescued basically by Apollo who's like, I'll like take you west in my like magic. Train that I,
0: but also he's posing as a homeless man. Um, yes. <laughs> shout out to trying to use homelessness as like a funny disguise. <sighs> Let's not do that. But that is
1: like big Apollo energy. Like honestly, it's like that that writing feels very problematic, <laughs> def- but also very right. Like I really don't like
0: Apollo. Yeah, yeah they write like Apollo as so annoying yeah
1: i agree
0: yes we dropped we dropped a lot of opinions about apollo but i want to hear yours yeah he's just so
2: i don't know okay i know that they like kind of describe him as like a surfer kind of dude but i just see him as crusty like he just feels slimy and kind of gross like he hits on talia Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like you're kind of related that's uncomfortable and she's 12 Um, 14. 14 yeah I think it's just this weird thing of, like, he doesn't know what's going on. I get why it's necessary to have him in the story, but so much of what he's doing in this couple chapters is, like, oh, it's too much magic for my magic to know what kind of magic's going on. Like, he's just kind of there. Like, in the same way, like, in, you know, like, in Ratatouille, they're like, you fool, that's the wrong kind of spice. Yeah. You must use this spice. Or, like... <laughs> not a
1: Ratatouille <Reddit> I- <laughs> reference. No, I don't totally follow that but... No. <laughs> we
0: did watch no, like Ratatouille, in, like, like, Harry like, a Potter.
1: week ago... <laughs> Which is why I think we did mention that yeah. because of our anti Frenchman discourse. <laughs> oh,
0: we are not talking about Ratatouille two episodes in a row.
2: Absolutely not. Yes. Yeah. But you guys get what I mean. It's just like this weird thing of like sometimes there's too much magic mm-hmm. for my magic to yes. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Apollo just does so much of that. Like, I get why he needs to be there because he's Artemis's brother. Right. But also just. You can have another yeah. god intervene. But
1: also he's, like, like, incompetent and, like, doesn't, like, this discourse isn't that much about, like, the sibling relationship, particularly differentiating their sibling relationship from other godly half-sibling relationships yeah. in a way that would have been fulfilling for me. Like, yeah, I, I think that you're right that we are supposed to read this as, like, Apollo and Artemis are connected. Like, he should be involved in this quest, but also, like...
0: Yeah. Yeah. I. I but also he doesn't see yeah. anything. He doesn't know anything. This obviously led Rick to write an entire spinoff series about him where he becomes a human again. But he's so, like, overburdened with, like, all of these things, that, all of these godly duties that he's been given. And he literally has no clue how to use, like, you could see it as endearing or you could just see it as irritating. And I think we're mostly seeing it as irritating.
2: Just irritating. Yeah. Just get your shit together. Yes.
0: yes. He When he's talking to Percy, he's, he's he gives us a little, a little haiku. Dreams like a podcast. Downloading truth in my ears. They tell me cool stuff. Shout out to podcasts. <laughs> I just, I that was like, some truth in
1: your ears today.
0: <laughs> I felt like we just had to read it. <laughs> anyway, Apollo and Artemis in this book both find ways of loopholing the no-god interference, no interference with he- uh, mortals and half-bloods rule. Um, which, maybe it's because they're younger. Maybe it's because the other gods aren't working hard enough to find loopholes in ancient rules. Mm-hmm. Yes, noting that um, Apollo tells them to find the old man of the sea in San Francisco, Nereus, and
1: we also were, we should probably also pause here and mention that Percy also has a really intense conversation with several people here, particularly oh, yeah. Talia. Um, so important in fact that we might um do a reading from it.
0: <laughs> Let's do it. This is on page one fifty three, and I'm reading this conversation, the whole thing, because it's important. Then suddenly it hit me. That's why you don't get along with Zoe. Talia frowned. What? The hunters tried to recruit you, I guessed. Her eyes got dangerously bright. I thought she was going to zap me out of the Mercedes, but she just sighed. I almost joined them, she admitted. Luke, Annabeth, and I ran into them once, and Zoe tried to convince me. She she almost did, but... But... Talia's fingers gripped the wheel. I would have had to leave Luke. Oh. Zoe and I got into a fight. She told me I was being stupid. She said I'd regret my choice. She said Luke would let me down someday. I watched the sun through the metal curtain. We seemed to be traveling faster each second, shadows flickering like an old movie projector. That's harsh, I said. Hard to admit Zoe was right. She wasn't right. Luke never let me down, never. We'll have to fight him, I said. There's no way around it. Talia didn't answer. You haven't seen him lately, I warned. I know it's hard to believe, but I'll do what I have to. Even if that means killing him? Do me a favor, she said. Get out of my car. I felt so bad for her, I didn't argue. As I was about to leave, she said, Percy? When I looked back, her eyes were red, but I couldn't tell if it was from anger or sadness. Annabeth wanted to join the hunters, too. Maybe you should think about why. Before I could respond, she raised the power windows and shut me out.
1: Oh, my God. Chills. Chills. (laughs) Oof. Oof. Can I get an oof? The
0: level of, like... Disappointment from the men. Oh, it's shout out to what we said this earlier about wow. Talia believing that even in this exact moment she can still save Luke. She's literally midway through the third book in the series. Talia still says, "I can save Luke. You don't know him like I know him." And then she drops to Percy again. This like maybe you consider should consider the fact that Annabeth doesn't actually like you that much. Or maybe it's Luke that is preventing her from joining the Hunters. Like, you could read that either way.
1: Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, yes. Wait, that that didn't even occur to me. I, like, 100% just read this as, like, Percy, watch out, like, don't be a man like the other man type of energy. But, like, there is Mm. definitely also that layer of, like, Percy, like... (laughs)
0: How many women cares about you (laughs) there's definitely fanfic where annabeth actually joined the hunters
1: and just like lives a happy life without problems (laughs) 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 but also like there is like as much as talia does have the energy of like wanting to save luke she also says like i'll do what has to be done like she like this is why like i like talia was like the perfect balance for me as a reader of straddling like she really struggles with this and she has this connection to him and she can't Fully move past her disappointment with this man, but also she still has like a sense of like duty and obligation and like pragmatism that she carries Mm -hmm. with her into the quest. Yeah,
0: Talia is female Percy. Talia is the female Percy for all intents and purposes. Like she is the superior version of Percy, Mm -hmm. of the child of the prophecy, Mm -hmm. and she does make a superior decision at the end of this book.
1: (sighs) And that's that. the The dream is is about the origins of Anachilous Mouse Reptide. Um, which Percy has had all this time. We know that Kyron said like there's like a dark history to it. Percy has his dream from the perspective of some hero who is like a like deeper voiced and like more muscular or something like, huh? Um, in which like Percy is basically like receiving Anachlousmos from Zoe. What?
0: Weird. We'll circle back
1: on that. Um, and but when they wake up, we're in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. So like, traverse basically the entirety of the middle of the continental United States because um. Who is the time? Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, we're back. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry,
1: flyover states. We'll we'll be back for you. Actually, we probably won't be back for you, but um.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so they're in New Mexico. Um, there's a bunch of chats that go on. Bianca and Percy chat. Um, Percy is like, I don't even know how to talk to girls. How am I supposed to talk to her now that she's a hunter? Get over it. Or just be intimidated, that's fine. Yes. Um, Bianca sort of like admits that her decision was, quote-unquote, selfish to become a hunter and abandon Nico, but she's been a big sister all her life, and she just wanted to not be that for a second.
1: Mm-hmm. What are her thoughts on this? I think it makes that's complicated.
2: I think it makes mm-hmm. sense. I mean, just in terms of, like, uh, I've always read the Hunter's. Well, when I was younger, it was kind of, like, an interpretation of, like, you just don't have a boyfriend, you don't have to worry Mm -hmm. about boys, but now as I'm older, I feel like it's not just about, like, men or, like, sexuality, Mm -hmm. but it's about responsibilities that are put on Mm -hmm. women in society to be those caretakers, to be the healers. Um, And I think she's escaping that, and I think that makes sense. Exactly. There
1: is, like, that, like, super gender, like, reading in which you cannot avoid gender of, like, the situation where, like, she is supposed to be the female caretaker for Nico, and, like, I feel like mo- like people here, like, read that and were like, this is, like, you know, like, she did have all of this waiting on her shoulders and, like, she deserves a break and, like, she deserves, like, an opportunity to avoid that, um, like, our expectation that would not be put on her in different situations that she shouldn't have to mm-hmm. deal with. But also, like... There's a level which Percy kind of doesn't understand and which like probably there were some readers who read this and were like, how dare she? You know, like she
0: Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm.
1: I I have like mixed feelings about like the potential for like reading this and being like, Yeah. That that was her job. Like she she messed yeah. up. This is reaffirming my pre-existing biases about like what obligations people have.
0: I think we lean towards that reading only because of the fact of that, like, Le- Nico is such a baby and Nico has such a hard time dealing with Bianca's decision mm-hmm. in the next couple books. But it's, it's true. Like, we, she, we, we can't place, um, unrealistic, terrible gendered expectations on her. But also Percy compares it to, like, his relationship with Tyson. It's
2: like, you knew him for one book. It's not the same. There's, like, that thing with, like, men holding back women from self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And I think, Rick Riordan uses the hunters as like a shorthand for self actualization, yeah, definitely. And Bianca is able to do that, and you know, she's able to sidestep, I, I guess, her obligation to Nico, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like that weird double standard of like, I know a lot of people dislike her because she did that, but also a lot of people want the same thing for Annabeth or Talia, yeah. so I guess maybe there is like that parallel there, yeah, to
0: think completely. about completely. I mean, Bianca says she's still glad she did it. She's not exactly happy because, of course, Artemis is gone, but she knows she made the right decision and she's very Mm calm. Um, and and she's at peace. She's basically enlightened.
1: Yeah. We should also, like, (laughs) there's like a quick aside to the fact that Percy buys the rat because he feels bad for the shopkeeper. And that truly is one of the most iconic moments in the entire series, right there. That's there to remind us. Special note on that. But Percy, like, (laughs) For, all, for every moment in this book that makes us hate him and be like, why are men? Terrible. Percy's also a king. There's a reason why we, why we have hope
0: for he's him. He's a cutie. <laughs> Percy is a cutie. And then suddenly Grover passes out. He's so useless. Um, <laughs> but he's like, it's the wild. It's the blessing of the wild. We don't know what he's talking about yet. And then guess who shows up? It's the police. Kind of. Uh, it's It's zombies in police uniforms. Bianca murders the police. These are the zombies sent by the Titan army. The only way we get out of it is that there's the Blessing of the Wild mm-hmm. shows up. It's a, I'm going to go with Arimanthian. Arama- yeah. It's the Arimanthian boar who comes to save them. And they they ride that boar out of there like pig cowboys, yes. as Percy puts it. We're in the junkyard. We're talking about the stars. Zoe is, Oh, we get a little moment with Zoe. It's like Zoe's our big sister and Zoe's finally like being a little vulnerable. And we're making fun of Zoe's vocabulary.
1: Because Zoe's like really old. For for those of you wondering, her language is weird because she's super old. I feel
0: like there is so much lost potential with her like
2: outdated vocabulary. Yeah, like, I want her. I want her to say things like "bitchin." Like, yeah,
1: her outdated <laughs> vocabulary like makes you think for the first few chapters that she's like specifically like like early modern English, maybe like it sounds like yeah daily Shakespearean, which is weird because she didn't keep like they like vestiges from like Middle English or like. I guess no, but like in those times, they would have been in Spain because that was the dominant colonial power at the time. Anyway, um,
0: <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, like
1: I, like it, it is weird that it's like from like one period of time and like not from like all the intermediary periods of time that she. Also but it's, I mean, it's smart. Intended. It's
0: definitely how twelve-year-olds would have associated old-timey languages by using yes. like Shakespearean mm-hmm. vocabulary.
2: That's, true, yeah, that's I true. I guess
0: it's okay, Rick. Um, <laughs> but the most important thing to develop out of this is that we realize that Bianca and Nico are actually from World War II era. They were trapped in good old-fashioned, everyone's favorite spooky spot, the Lotus Hotel and Casino, Mm -hmm. for decades. And that is why Bianca and Nico don't know where they came from. Poor, poor D'Angelo kids. They didn't ask for this. All they know is that they ended up there, and obviously years and years later, somebody came and got them out, Mm -hmm. and then they ended up at Westover Hall. So, like... Mm -hmm. They missed out on a lot. They don't know anything about the great prophecy and all of that stuff. Yeah. Oh, that was <laughs> that's a spoiler. But we don't understand why this happened to them. But we do know that that's where they came from, and it's it's scary. Like I said before, like the Lotus Hotel and Casino is scary. It's so eerie. It gives me a creepy, goosebumpy feelings. Yeah. But there's not a, so much time to talk about it because there's so uh, much left to get Someone there. shows up. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Um Aries rolls up. Our ah. literal least favorite entity why. in maybe the Every entire book. book series is back to remind us that toxic masculinity is bad and Percy's toxic masculinity could always get worse. And this is where he's on track to being if he doesn't fix his shit. Um, yep.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> he arrives in a limo with his girlfriend, who we know is Aphrodite. Let's talk about
2: her. Yes. Why is she really rich.
1: This is such a wild it's just conversation. It's just used <laughs> as
2: like an excuse, like a throwaway excuse for anything bad that men do. I think the Trojan War is a huge example of that. Yeah. I think it's Hera
0: and Aphrodite that it's like yeah. every time a man does something bad, it's like Hera or Aphrodite's fault. They like throw a curse on him or use their magic on him.
1: Hera and Aphrodite, who are the only non virgin goddesses who we meet in this book series. Oh,
0: uh, and it's, it's so weird because Aphrodite
2: has changed so much in how we understand her because before there's been some interpretations that she's older Mm -hmm. than the rest of the gods like she's older than the titans like she's not even falling into the ocean yeah and that's
1: real (laughs) that
2: that That is real kids so sometimes she's this like primordial force that is really powerful and Mm -hmm. it is neither good or bad but other times she's just villainized as like the epitome of like femininity that we hate Mm -hmm. and i think rick is really
0: leaning towards that latter
2: interpretation
0: which is disappointing it is like this reading definitely threw me back to like middle school and like hating my own femininity and like Mm -hmm. trying to force my non-feminine side and being like i'm Mm -hmm. not a girly girl that's stupid like girls are stupid Mm -hmm. because of this kind of rhetoric which is so irritating yeah Yeah. because she's manipulative
2: the whole time she's like applying makeup what's wrong with makeup jesus she's just i know do what you want yeah
1: they present her as, like, as, particularly, for, for sure, like, they're, like, invoking a lot of tropes of, like, um women as, like, disingenuous and, like, shallow duplicitous is what we also get because, like, she doesn't have Ugh. a fixed appearance is what we get. Like, she's whatever you mm. want her to be. Like, that's, yeah. like, uh we, you could maybe read that as, like, some commentary about, like, no objective beauty standard in this one situation. No other situation in this book series. But, like, also, like, is high key, like, this weird ideal of, like, a woman's beauty being, like, changing and, want. like, determined by, like... <laughs> the male gaze literally Mm -hmm. which yes oh my god i don't like i feel like the frustrating thing for me is that there are hints to like a greater version of aphrodite that is like useful Uh, you know like in heroes of olympus we get this version of aphrodite that is still like so frustrating and so irritating but like fundamentally viewed as like more powerful and like we get these clips of percy basically saying like she's like one of the Olympian deities that I'm, like, the most afraid of and that, like, is the most powerful. And she's... He, like, has this, like, line where, like, amidst saying all these things about her being disingenuous, he's like, part of her beauty is not just that she, like, has physical features, but is that she is about love and that love is powerful and beautiful and, like, all these things. But Rick Riott just, like, can't commit to that, which is frustrating. Like, he... He wants to, like, have it all here and, like, also do these, yeah. like, weak critiques of one version of performed femininity is that they aren't all performed versions of femininity.
0: And I get that it would be, de- like, he wouldn't have been able to make Aphrodite Ares' girlfriend without villainizing her because of how much we hate Ares, but it's still frustrating. It's frustrating to see this play out in this moment.
1: What she actually says to Percy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the right. like, it's, it's conversation that they actually have where she, she's just like, oh, I'm gonna make your love life so complicated, Percy, like... The fun is in not knowing,
1: yeah. Um, we we see her like obsession with love passed off as like trivial or like a diversion to like what is serious or what is important, which is yeah. Uh, interesting specifically we see this in her like basically saying like i'm not interested in like the preservation of olympus i just want your life to be entertaining to me
0: yeah and it's interesting that like rick obviously is very clearly using aphrodite as a pivot point for artemis in this book like we met artemis earlier the maiden goddess she is the hero like we are trying to rescue her and then now we meet aphrodite halfway through who is the opposite of artemis um Mm -hmm. frivolous obsessed with love and like stupid gossipy tween love not like powerful Mm -hmm. love for the hunt why can't they be friends not enemies
2: (laughs) why do we have to pit women against each other it's it's a virgin
1: whore dichotomy it's femme fatale versus redeeming like mother wife yeah
0: so frustrating so frustrating as long as we can acknowledge it (laughs) we can continue on
1: there's like a brief moment at the beginning when he first meets her percy importantly says she looked like Annabeth, and this is important because at the end, Percy is like, she looks like whoever I thought was most attractive, basically, or whoever I was into. I think this is the first maybe actual admission that we've had from Percy in the books. Like, I remember reading this and being like, so it's canon. So that's So
0: it's really happening. Like, (laughs) get excited. It's really happening. This is, this to me is the moment in Harry Potter when uh, Hermione is smelling the love potion, and she's like, it smells Mm. like toothpaste. The toothpaste that Ron rubbed off of my cheek. Um, very similar energy. Just exciting little tidbit. Yes. We get out of the car. Percy's like, I guess that's kind of what she told me. And Zoe is like, you can never trust Aphrodite. They have this important fight with the giant metal, giant yeah. Talos, Talos.
1: We're led to believe it's like punishing them for stealing from the god's junkyard. Yeah,
0: of course. Leads us to bianca's noble death yes
1: percy like has another zany plan to kill this like unkillable robot which involves going inside of it and trying to control from the inside bianca does it instead of him like she like tells him stop i'll take your place and gets killed in the process and we also know that the reason why the monster was triggered in the first place and part of the reason why she volunteers herself to go is because of course she was the one who stole something specifically the last Myth of Magic figurine that Nico didn't have.
0: If anything could absolve her of her guilt for making that quote-unquote selfish decision, it is the fact that what led to her death is her mm-hmm. trying to do something nice for her brother. Even though she was immortal, she dies in battle, so she ends up legitimately dying. And Percy now has to carry this guilt with him of the fact that he should, he was like, I, I should have went in, mm-hmm. it was my plan, how am I going to tell Nico? Mm-hmm.
1: How is he going to yeah. tell Nico who he promised?
0: Very tough. Also, the fact that Bianca dies in this book definitely mm-hmm. lesbian.
1: I guess we, we we can maybe like just briefly shout out that even though like these characters are never explicitly mentioned to be queer, like there is famously this trope of especially like in fantasy, horror, sci-fi, murdering characters, and most so particularly outed, with lesbians. Most particularly with lesbians, they die quickly, early. Normally because they're either picking too big of a fight. Tragically. Often what'll happen is like, as soon as they like get into like a relationship or like self-actualize their queerness, right? They like disappear because their storyline must end. Which is exactly what
0: happens to Bianca. At that point, yes. It's like Bianca literally just self-actualized and now she has to die because we have to punish her for that or Or because, what?
1: Pers- because queer stories do not exist beyond the point of self-actualization. Um,
0: yeah. Yes. Which is okay because Rick makes up for it later on. Yes. But yeah, acknowledging that trope for sure. Yes. Then this part of the prophecy gets fulfilled with them losing a member in the desert. Mm-hmm. Sad. They should have seen it coming, but alas. Let's finish this yes. shit. <laughs>
1: okay, so that takes us out. They're like wandering through desert, basically. Um, they're like drive out, find like a river. They're heading on up it. Um, at this point we get people are like shaken, obviously, because someone died. Um, particularly like Grover and Zoe are kind of messes. Talia is like kind of fine. Percy and Talia are like in like weirdly a good place right now fascinated by that dynamic some more because this is kind of like the high point of the relationship that we've seen up until this point them like understanding each other relating to each other mm-hmm. sort of like holding up the group when the other two members are like really like going through it and then when they get to the river they like percy like you know gets them some kayaks Uses is like water magic to pull them up and he ends up as a favorite to tell, like, being in a kayak with zoe so they have like a mm-hmm. really fascinating conversation on page 204 Without thinking about it, I took Riptide out of my pocket. Zoe looked at the pen, and her expression was pained. You made this, I said. Who told thee? I had a dream about it. She studied me. I was sure she was going to call me crazy, but she just sighed. It was a gift and a mistake. Who is the hero, I asked. Zoe shook her head. Do not make me say his name. I swore never to speak it again. You act like I should know him. I'm sure you do, hero. Don't all you boys want to be just like him? Her voice was so bitter, I decided not to ask what she meant. I looked down at Riptide, and for the first time, I wondered if it was cursed. So, there's, like, a lot of, like, disparate things happening in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, This is sort of just one element, but I think the most interesting, because obviously that's why we picked it, as, like, a mirror (laughs) to the earlier conversation that Percy has with um, Dionysus, basically about, you know, like, a gendered critique of what it means to be a hero, and mm-hmm. for people to embody this trope, like, who are the icons yeah. of terrorism? Who do they leave behind? Who do they hurt? Who who do they, like, not respect? And we see, again, like, Diana like, specifically referenced Zoe Nightshade. And now we're sort of getting a glimpse into, like, the fact that, yes, he was right. She, she did go through it with a hero. She was, like, left behind, mm-hmm. mistreated, and carries that with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: And I think it's a great inclusion to have Zoe, who's so purposefully, like, Written out of the narrative of Greek mythology mm-hmm. to have her perspective yes. in this, right? Because you have the godly perspective of you know someone who's watching from mm-hmm. the outside, but then now you have Zoe who has been yeah. through it, and she's I guess the stand-in for maybe like the Medea yes. figure. Yes, exactly. She has
0: magic.
1: In this same conversation, we should probably just like quickly shout out that like before this, Zoe like reveals her own guilt. Like, the fact that she is distraught because she pressured Bianca to go on this quest when she, in retrospect, is not sure if she was ready and takes responsibility for that. And a part of the reason why she did that is because she basically says, like, I thought Bianca was going to take over for me. She was powerful Mm -hmm. and she should have, like, taken my place. And Percy's like, but you're immortal. That doesn't make any sense. And then she's like, no, I'm old and I'm tired. And we can feel her, like, burnout and this, like, foreshadowing to the idea that, like, you know like things don't last forever immortality is like not real
0: shout out to the Chiron speech that we've been talking about like the heroes have to battle new battles every single generation yes. like zoe has been doing this for a long yes. time yes. even she needs a replacement yeah. um and it's time for somebody else to step exactly. up exactly yeah who is it going to be that forever yeah we'll find out eventually
1: <laughs> do we have to have the hercules conversation first also
0: yeah the hero is hercules Surprise. (laughs) Finally naming the person who we have been sort of subtly referencing throughout the book so far, throughout the quest. There's an obvious parallel drawn between Hercules, LOL, that's a new ship. Hercules (laughs) and Percy because of the fact that Percy is like put into the eyes of Hercules Mm -hmm. in the dream that he has. Having this conversation with Zoe. Um, Alex, I know you want to talk about this. Yeah, I just think it's
2: just this... It's easy to romanticize Hercules Mm -hmm. because as a kid, he's like that first hero that you learn about. But he's the original kind of Mr. Incredible strong man who can handle any situation. But I've actually like, I took a class and I read it and it was just like, God, he's a horrible person. Mm -hmm. He's just this, ink. like, as a kid, we don't learn that he was a huge asshole. And I think that's a problem. And that should be written. Yeah, he he has anger issues. He's killed every single woman that he's basically he slept with either on purpose or oh. accidentally because he doesn't know his strength. Mm-hmm. And oh at the God, end of the day, so we still yeah. yeah, yeah, and at the end of the day like we still think he's amazing. And I think his downfall is brought upon by, by a woman. Um she gives him like a tunic yeah. yes. that's with centaur mm-hmm. blood and he dies that way. And I think it's just implicitly, there's like that understanding of like, oh, he was so great. This wasn't the right way for him to go. But no, looking back, that makes perfect sense because he's wrong so many people.
1: After that, like after he is like killed that way, he ends up like, in case you were wondering how we should feel about Hercules, according to the mythology, like he gets brought back as a god. He ends up being like, not just like one of the most iconic heroes in terms of like the number of stories and like the way that we think about him in his own story, but like He's, like, one of the ones who gets, like, the happiest endings, not because his ending, like, involves him, like, settling down and, like, chilling out, but his ending is, like, just, like, that trajectory, but more and forever, which is, like, terrifying.
0: Snaps for Rick. Shout out to Rick for thinking of in weaving the narrative of Hercules into this book that isn't, like, the narrative of Hercules, one of the most famous woman-hating heroes, into the book that is about iconic female characters, iconic female figures within mythology, and just causing us to think yes. about the fact that in the real history, in the real history of mythology that obviously perpetuates itself today, thanks to classicism, that we do hate women. And like <laughs> we have to stop that. Obviously, there are instances in the book where Rick you know, unintentionally recreates a lot of the tropes that we are asking ourselves not to mm-hmm. perpetuate anymore. But that's okay, because this book was written several years ago. And we are doing the work by revisiting it um, and dissecting all of those things. And it's also just thinking about
2: what did we consider to be heroic values mm-hmm. for those antiquity Greek figures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we've talked about today, of like teammate, like that honor, and how does that translate now to modern sensibilities? And yeah. how does Percy try to marry these two things.
0: And how does that translate for a female hero? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Annabeth is absent from this book, but, you know, she had the conversation with Cersei about how female heroes don't get any credit, and the female hero we get in this book is Talia, and Talia is really doing her best, but she displays some, like, Herculean qualities of, like, over-anger, and, like, she's maybe more of, like, a masculine character anyway. And we should do some more more discussion of actual stories about female heroes. Yes. Like Atalanta. Yeah, she's so interesting. Yes. Yeah. Alright. All right. Yeah. I think now is the time that we uh ask Alex questions because this is as much as we can get through today. Our next episode, we will move on to the damn damn. So, yay, I it. Alex, you know the drill. Tell mm-hmm. me your thoughts on Percibath. I think
2: it's so hard to judge from this book because I didn't really like this book on while rereading it because Annabeth is absent and she's such she's the best character out of everyone that Rick Riordan has written in this series and in all of his other series Mm -hmm. and her presence is so remarkable in this book it feels like I'm missing like 400 pages or something. I get that it's hard to continue a story when you're missing one of the main integral characters of this, I guess, love story. But I think he he does try to do this thing of like Percy still thinking about her, mm-hmm. like he's kind of channeling her, like he has her baseball cap mm-hmm. and kind of just trying to see things um, from her perspective. And then they do a really cute bit in the next chapter when they see the dam and they have that little yes. exchange that I know you guys
0: will get Aww. into next time.
2: yeah. Do I think it's the best love story ever told? Mm.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, Diversity Yeah. For
2: I think we're if you want to talk about YA I get- stories, I think you can't ignore Bella and Edward. No, I'm kidding. That was we were wow. about to have a fight. I would fire
0: <laughs> you <laughs> immediately. Too Jump out of my we phone. we record this ideas. entire episode
2: <laughs> with someone else. No, I I think they're they're pretty good in terms of if you want to tell a story over multiple books of people who are growing up together, and mm-hmm. at first there is like that bond of just. Platonic friendship, and then that grows into something. And I think that is a really interesting way to conceptualize a relationship because, in so much YA stuff, it's very much like, boom, we meet each other. Yeah. There's like that tension, but this makes mm-hmm. sense as a kid reading it, and now it's like a 20 something year old reading it. Yeah. So I think it's pretty fun. It's fun.
0: Yes. Yeah. Alrighty. And do you believe that we should be doing all of this to save Western civilization? No. <laughs> I I don't think that... I just... No. I don't think there are very
2: redeeming... He doesn't write much about the redeeming qualities of Western civilization in his novels. I think there are hints of it that he kind of gets across with the kind of um, reoccurring visuals of the monuments of those mm-hmm. famous Western sites of civilization. But there yeah, are that's very a good few point. redeeming qualities, right? Because he's constantly slamming capitalism. He has problems... Oh, not problems. He finds authority figures... Problematic and, like, the recurring thing of, like, the mortals are on Percy's side. They see whatever they want to see. And Mm -hmm. to him, to them, they see Percy as, like, this problem child. And then you have the recurring imagery of authority figures associating with the military. Like, the general, everything that Luke's doing. It's an army. The police that recurs throughout so much of the books that I never noticed before you guys (laughs) pointed it out in the other episodes. Yikes. Um, So I think the only redeeming quality is just the people, like, the relationships that mm. they have. Mm-hmm. So maybe let's not save Western civilization, but let's save the human. people that we love and we care about. Yeah. Shout out to Ender's Game. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I think, more down? so about yeah. that, the nature quality of it, too. Like, that's mm-hmm. the natural kind of relationships, and, you know, and that's also ties into Pan mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. I think that's worth
0: saving. Western so, civilization? Nah. Western civilization? No. But the human connection, the human bond um mm-hmm. and our relationship with the earth yes yep. amazing. yeah amazing that was beautiful on that powerful inspirational note alex thank you for being here thank you Woo! for bringing your textbook from your greek mythology <laughs> course thank you for uh, giving us new vocabulary challenging our opinions and it's great to see your face it's so nice to talk to you guys. Cool. Too. I yes. love this so much. Thank you so much Yay. for having me. We love you, Alex. You give us all of the Titans curse energy, even if you said you didn't like this book. That's okay. Um, join us next time. We're Like we said, we're going to get to the damn, damn. Some iconic jokes. Finish the best book of all time. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.